So let's look at this again in Matthew. We'll look at chapter 18 today. Matthew 18 and 18. You believing with me? That you hear from him just what you need this morning. That we all do. Matthew 18, 18. Jesus said, Verily I say to you, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now he had said that previously in Matthew 16. And so this is the second time that he said this in this account. Whatever you bind on earth, well that's us here and now, shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Jesus told religious leaders of his day, he said, uh, you have made the word of God of no effect because of your traditions. And it was true then and it's true now. Much of the church world, one of their central tenets of faith and doctrine is that God is in control. And much of what they teach and preach is attached to that. And that everything that happens is God and the will of God, whether you understand it or not. And so if it happened, it was God. If it didn't happen, it was God's will. And that you just need to accept that everything's God's will. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's religious tradition. That is making the word of God of no effect. You know, think about some of the scriptures like Ephesians says, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, if everything's the will of the Lord, how do you understand that? Why do I need to discern the will of God if everything that's happening is the will of God? I don't need to distinguish it. And Romans 12 says the same thing. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Well, if everything's the will of God, I don't need to have any discernment. I don't need to get mind renewed so I can distinguish what's God's will and what's not the will of God. No, no, there's a bunch of stuff happening that's not the will of God. Doesn't please God. It's not his will. Why? Because human beings have a free will. And they can choose to disobey. They can choose to reject. They can choose to rebel. And most of the planet has. So all the stuff that they're doing in rebellion and defiance of God is not the will of God. And so the results of that, the Bible said the wages of sin is death. And death is not a friend. Death is an enemy. 1 Corinthians 15 says. It's the last enemy that will be put underfoot. Isn't it great that there's coming a day where you and I will be in a place where nothing ever dies. Oh, won't, won't that be wonderful? A place where there is no curse, no sorrow, no crying, no pain, no dying. Whoo! Say it out loud. No sorrow. No, sorrow. no, crying, no crying. No pain. No, pain. No, dying. no dying. 
That means the grass doesn't die, the flowers don't die, the trees and animals don't die, and you don't die. We've never been in a place like that, but we're going to be. Won't be long. God time. Hallelujah. But we got to make it for a while down here in a place where it's full of the curse and everything's dying <laughs> all around us. And so what did the Lord do? He gave us the keys of the kingdom binding and loosing that we do that indicates authority. Keys denote access and control. What do you do with the key to your car? Gives you access, you can get in it, and it gives you control. You can use it, you can drive it. What do you do with the keys to your house or your apartment or whatever? It gives you access, and it gives you control. Well, that's what the Lord is saying, I give you access. I give you control. Now, people are trying to say, it's all up to him. But it's not all up to him. You can't leave up to him what he left up to you. You can't do that. And yet people are trying. Now, uh, with this in mind, go please over to 2 Corinthians and the 10th chapter. There's something we need to understand about this authority. We need to understand the scope of it. The same word that's translated authority in the King James Bible is translated jurisdiction. Jurisdiction. In, uh, don't turn there, but Luke 23, 7 is one place. It said that uh, when he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod. That was Luke 23, 7 during Jesus' you know, mock trial. Herod's jurisdiction, that's the word for authority. Same word in other places translated authority. And it's also translated power. For instance, when um, Ananias and Sapphira sold that uh, property that they had and then lied about what they got for it, the Spirit of God through Peter reprimanded Ananias and said, while it remained, wasn't it your own? And after it was sold, wasn't it uh, in your own power? Power there is the word for authority that's also translated jurisdiction that's also could be translated under your control. Under your control. And so when the Lord said, I give you the keys of the kingdom, he's talking about this. Power, Authority, jurisdiction, control. But we need to understand the the boundaries, if you will, of our individual jurisdiction. The boundaries of our individual authority. Not understanding it has caused frustration and a number of things. I have authority over unclean spirits. I have authority over disease. I I have authority over the enemy in my life and in my things. Does that give me authority over you? It does not. 
Can I just take, use my authority to bind the enemy in your life if you want to yield to it? Uh, No, I can't. There's a jurisdiction that you have. And in uh, 2 Corinthians, he talks about that. In 2 Corinthians uh, 10 and 8, he said, Though I I should boast somewhat more of our authority, there's that word, which the Lord has given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. So he's talking about our authority, his authority. Skip down to verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. That's a lot of themselves. <laughs> Said out loud, comparison, comparison. With, others with others is foolish. It's, foolish. it's not, wise. not wise. Now, that's what the scripture says, and yet people are doing it. Oh, man. On the right and on the left. Comparing themselves with this one and that one to see how well I'm doing. Compared to what? The reason, one of the reasons it's foolish is because you don't know what you're comparing with what. You don't know what the Lord told them. You don't know their call in ministry. You don't know their grace. Do, do you remember that the Lord talked about the parable of the talents? To one he gave uh, one, to another he gave more, to another he gave more. Well, he, and the man who, who doubled his lesser amount, he got exact same commendation about being faithful as the man who had the large amount. Well, why? Because he doubled what the Lord gave him. Well, then spiritually, he did as good as the guy who had a lot bigger number. But you don't know what God gave somebody. You don't know the revelation he gave them. You don't know the call, the anointing. And so... It can be like comparing your Corvette to a dump truck. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, the dump truck has the capacity to haul a big load. And I can hardly fit anything in the back of my Corvette. (laughs) Yeah, but that dump truck can't take a curve very good either. Is that right? I mean, one is grace to do a different job from the other and comparing the two and saying, well, my, my Corvette's just not worth anything because it won't haul a thousand pounds. Well, you're dumb. You're being foolish. Is that right? You're, you're not wise. Why? You're comparing two things that are not alike. And who is just like you? Who is just like you? Who is graced just like you? Are called just like you. Don't compare yourself to other people. Don't compare your church to other churches. Don't compare your ministry to other men. Come on, are y'all with me? Why? Because you're going to come to a wrong conclusion. No matter which way you come out, if you decide you're doing worse than they are, you're wrong. You don't even know. If you decide you're doing better than they are, you're wrong. You don't know. You don't know what you're comparing. And you're not going to be held accountable for what God gave somebody else. So the Spirit of God through Paul is saying we don't dare 
do this. We don't dare live in this comparison and this competitive thing because that's not wise. That's being foolish. Verse 13, but we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God has distributed to us, a measure to reach even to you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure. I want you to say that out loud. We stretch not ourselves beyond our measure. A source of frustration and confusion has been people trying to exercise authority that was beyond the scope of their authority. That was outside the measure of their jurisdiction. Do I have unlimited authority over everybody around me? (laughs) The authority you and I have in Christ is not over human spirits. We don't have authority spiritually over human spirits that we can bind them and make them do this or loose them and cause them to do that. We have authority over evil spirits. Not human spirits. And in other people's life, you don't want to overreach into other people's jurisdiction and try to exercise authority where they should be exercising authority and trying to override their choices. If someone wants to yield to a wrong spirit, no matter how much it grieves you and bothers you, They have a right to do that. They have a spiritual right to do that. And you can't just deliver them against their will. If the Lord was going to force anybody to do anything, he would force people to receive Jesus and miss hell. Don't you think? And if he's not going to do that, he certainly won't force people in any lesser thing. Notice he said, verse 14, we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reach not to you, for we are come as far to you in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without or beyond our measure, that is of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly to preach the gospel in regions beyond you and not boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand but he that glories let him glory in the Lord for not he that commends himself is approved but whom the Lord commands was Paul conscious and this is more than Paul this is the spirit of God speaking through Paul but was Paul conscious that there was a limit to his rule That he had a measure that extended. And what he's telling these saints at Corinth. He said I'm not going beyond my authority here. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. We preached the gospel to you in the beginning. We founded that church there. Come on can you see this? I am your apostle. Your sent one. I got a right to talk into your life. And to say I'm not trespassing if you will. Into somebody else's territory. And work and authority. 
And so he was conscious of that. He was aware of that. And he said, I want you to notice again, verse 14, we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure. He was conscious of his measure, the measure of his rule, the measure of his authority in Christ and in ministry. Go with me, if you would, to the book of uh, Acts. In Acts 16, and uh, let's see, down about verse 16 or so, Paul has, uh, by the direction of the Spirit, come to the region of Macedonia to preach the gospel. And um, some people have gotten saved and some good things are going on. Verse 16 It came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. We'd say fortune telling. This would be like, you know, reading tea leaves or palms or this different thing. But she actually has a spirit. And one of the reasons that she brought her masters, they made them money, is because, I mean, she's saying some things that are coming to pass. Elsewise, people wouldn't come and just keep paying money for that, for nothing. But it's a wrong spirit. Everything that's spiritual is not God. You want to stay away from people telling your fortune. Or, or reading your this or that, or, you know... Stay away from that. You've got the Holy Spirit. You're out beyond all that. You don't need that. Besides, those wrong spirits, they'll tell you one thing is correct, and then they'll tell you five lies. They get something to hook you, and then they're going to lead you into destruction. They're liars. And these spiritual things are real, but they're not God. And so she followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Is that true? Yeah. But who wants the devil testifying for you? (laughs) And and I, I assure you, it was irritating. The sound of her voice would have been grating to you. And yet what she's saying is true. These men are the servants of the Most High God, which showed us the way of salvation. And uh, verse 18, so Paul immediately bound that spirit and did not allow that. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. No. No. This she did, did what? Following them around, doing what? These men are servants of the Most High God. (laughs) These men, for many, someone say many, 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 many days. How many? Not a few. Many days. Why did Paul put up with that? Why did he tolerate that? Why didn't he just take care of that? Well, for one thing, 
Does she want this spirit? Did she come to him to get delivered? No. Now, if she had come to him and said, I, I want to get free from this, could he have prayed with over her or taken authority over her right then, right now? Yeah, he could. Why? Because doing that would have brought herself into the measure of his authority. Can you see that? Because she came to him. That's why James talks about any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Do, do you hear that? Yeah. Calling and asking opens the door yeah. for them to use their faith and their grace and anointings. But if you don't respect it and you don't want it. I know I went to visit somebody in the hospital some years ago. And when I stepped to the door, they, uh, they said, who are you? And I told them who I was. And, and I think it was their sister that asked me to come. And they said, I don't believe in all that blankety-blank junk and, and cuss. And said, you need to get out of here. So you know what I did? I got out of there. And I realized I need to pray better before I go. Why? Because she didn't ask me to come. She didn't believe in this. There's no respect. And so I have no, can I just wait in there and deliver her anyway? If you could do that, why hadn't somebody already cleaned out the hospitals? Because you can't. It's beyond your measure. So this she did many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. What happened? The Lord gave him something. There are, there are manifestations of the Spirit. Uh, one's called faith. Also called special faith. Why didn't he uh, do that the first day? He didn't have it the first day. And she didn't come to him. So in order for this to happen, it's going to take a sign. But God does signs. God does signs. And so... I'm sure after many days, you reckon Paul prayed about this and said, Lord, I'm tired of this. <laughs> Lord. And the Lord gave him, the anointing came on him and he spoke against it and she was delivered whether she wanted to be or not. <laughs> and she was delivered whether her owners wanted her to be. I mean, they don't, they don't want to lose this. This is a money making deal. And oh, they got mad. But the Lord did it as a sign. Now, he does special things as signs. Hallelujah. But that's not something you can just walk into town and do because you decide to. Because you want to. Is there a measure that you need to be aware of? Of your authority in your place. Go to the last chapter of the book of Acts. Just a few chapters over. Well, it's, uh, I guess it's not the, the last chapter, and I won't read all of it, but in the 27th chapter, Paul's on the ship. He's going to Rome as a prisoner. And uh, in Acts 27, 9, when the time was spent and sailing was now dangerous, Paul admonished them and said, Sirs, I perceive this voyage will be with much, with hurt rather, and much damage, not only 
to the lading and ship, but of also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Notice it mentions the owner of the ship. Who has the most control and authority over the ship? The owner of the ship. And so they loosed from that port and the weather seemed like it had cleared up and it looked like they got a good window. And so they thought, well, that preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. And they, they launched. And I mean, it wasn't just a few days. They got in a hurricane, a typhoon. And they were caught up in it. They couldn't get out of it for 14 days and nights. And uh, my question is, why didn't Paul speak to that storm? And, and like Jesus spoke to the storm. Why didn't Paul, the first day they got into it, why go through that for 14 days? Why didn't he speak to the storm? Why didn't he step out on the deck and say, peace, be still? Do we need to understand these things? See, have people made commands that didn't happen? Yeah. Does that mean it doesn't work? That it's not real? No. It means they tried to do something that was beyond their scope, or they just did it in the flesh and wasn't in faith about it. It doesn't change the fact that God is real, that authority is real, that, that binding and loosing is real and right. But if you do something and nothing happens, then you, you need to find out why and should you have tried to do it in the first place. Paul didn't try to do it. He knew enough about these things. Why? Well, what he did was pray. Even when people miss God terribly and it's affecting you, you still don't throw up your hands and quit. You pray and you ask for mercy in spite of people making dumb decisions. And God is a merciful God. And so Paul is praying in the belly of that ship and finally, after 14 days and nights, an angel showed up. Sent from God in answer to Paul's prayer. And he said, be of good cheer, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar at Rome. In other words, you've got to make your appointment. Well, that's a solid foundation for faith. If I got to make my appointment in Rome, I can't drown out here in the storm. He knew when that snake bit him on the island there, Maroon, he couldn't die from the snake bite either. Why? I got to make my appointment in Rome. The Lord's already told me I'm making that appointment. What does that mean? Nothing can kill me between now and then because I got to make that appointment. (laughs) He really was on a mission from God. He really was. And so, and the angel told him, and God has given you all them that are sailing with you. Oh, the mercy of God. The people that didn't listen, the owner and the captain of the, you know, the leader of the vessel, all of that. He gave him all of them. He said, how be it, we must be cast on a certain island and we're going to lose the ship and we're going to lose the, uh, uh, the merchandise. Couldn't God have saved the ship? Couldn't God have saved their merchandise? Couldn't, couldn't God have spared them from those 14 days of storm? What, 
Paul started out with this. He said, uh, sirs, he said, you should have listened to me. <laughs> you should have listened to me and not gained this, this harm and this loss. What does that mean? If they had listened to the word of the Lord back when he said, I perceive this voyage you're about to take will be with a lot of harm and damage. Could they have missed the whole storm? Yes. Missed the losing of the cargo and the ship? Yes. Yeah, they, that's what he said. You should have listened to me and not gained all this loss. Or not, not experienced, I should say, all this loss and harm and damage. But there is a cost to ignoring God. I said there's a cost to ignoring what the Lord gives you. Look with me in uh, Proverbs. Proverbs 28, 9. Proverbs 28, 9. He that turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. You, you cannot ignore the word of the Lord and try to pray something different or believe something different or use your authority to accomplish something different. And that's been a source, like I've been saying, of confusion and frustration for people. Back in the earliest days of, of my ministry, I was allowed at Brother Hagin's ministry to work on the phones some when people would call in for prayer requests. And I was green as could be. I was just a few months into the ministry. And a lady called, and I got her. And she's sobbing uncontrollably. And I couldn't tell what she was saying for, I don't know, two or three minutes. Just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. And finally, in between sobs, I heard her tell me that she had just been, I don't know, uh, an hour ago or whatever, mobbed. Somebody knocked her in the head and, and, and pushed her down and grabbed her purse and and what have you. And, and so she was uh, shaken. But after another moment or so. I could tell the thing that's bothering her the most. Was that it happened. Right. To her. Because she said. I'm a believer. I quote the 91st Psalm. Over my life. Almost every day. How could this happen? I, I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And so she's, she's more upset about that than the injury and the loss of her purse and that kind of thing. Well, I'm just a few months into the ministry. I, I didn't know what to say. I care. I'm, I'm moved by her pain and frustration. But So inside me, I said, Lord, what, what can I say to her? What, what will help her? And just like this, it came from my spirit up to my mind. Ask her what she was doing before she went there. Where it happened and what she was doing before that. I said, so, so where did this happen? And so by this time, she can talk some and she told me. And, and I said, so what, what were you doing before that? And, 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 and so I said, so, so you needed to go there? And, and she said, well, actually... 
I had a real check about going. I had it, it bothered me, a check about going. But I just quoted the 91st Psalm. That I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Listen, friend, if you turn your ear away from hearing, even your prayer won't be heard. Listen to the NIV says, if anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. The easy to read says, when people do not listen to God's teaching, he doesn't listen to their prayers. Well, if your prayer is an abomination, that's not something he's receiving. Right? Why? Because you ignored what he said. And you're trying to pray something else. Can you see that's a problem? You ignored what he said, and you're going to use your authority to do something. Well, now you're not just trying to act in authority. You're in rebellion. You're in defiance, and yet to the outside observer, it looks like you're being spiritual, trying to exercise your authority, but they don't know. The Lord told you earlier that morning to do something else. And you're still trying to push your own agenda through and call it faith or call it prayer or use your authority. Is there a measure or a scope of our personal authority in life? Do we need to watch not to go beyond where our authority is and especially not go beyond the word of the Lord? Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. Didn't he say that? I I can of my own self. Do we believe that? That Jesus said as he walked the earth, he said, I can of my own self do nothing. Only what I, I see the Father do, what I hear him say. Why did Paul, after many days, take authority over that spirit? He heard that in his spirit. Can you see that? He got that. He saw himself doing that. He heard that. So he can act on it. Even though that wasn't normally within his scope of authority. Why didn't he stand up the first day on the deck of that ship? And command that storm to die down and say peace and and it be still. Why? Because they had ignored the word of the Lord. Can you see that? They had ignored the word of the Lord and it's going to cost them. But it would have cost them all their lives. But the mercy of God. I said the mercy of God through somebody praying. They lost the ship. They lost all the money and all the cargo, and they went through 14 days of torture, but they all made it out alive. (laughs) Can you see this? So it is vitally important, child of God, church family, it's vitally important that every day of our lives, we're praying in the Spirit, and we're listening in the Spirit. That woman that, that called me so upset, Could she have missed that entire episode? Could she have missed being mugged and hurt and and frustrated and, and all that? Why? If she had just followed that witness and not gone there that morning. Come on, can you see that? Could could that whole crew have missed that whole storm? Yeah. And all that financial loss, loss of the ship and all the other stuff, if they had just Back it up. And when Paul says, I perceive 
this voyage is, is going to be with a lot of hurt and damage. And if they'd have said, you know what? We're not in that big of a hurry. <laughs> Let's just enjoy the island for a month or so. Right? <laughs> it would have been worth, you know, what, what's a ship worth? What's all the cargo? What's your life worth? And yet, see, people don't want it to be like that because that means we have responsibility. And people want to say, no, it's just, it was God's will that they go through the storm. You're ignoring scripture. It was God's will that the woman get mugged. It was not. It was not. But we have a responsibility every day of our lives. And that's why there's no cut and dried answer. I hear believers up in arms, in an uproar about the things that are going on now. I've had people take tasks with me and say, well, why aren't you speaking out more against this or against that or against the other? Because uh, the Lord didn't tell me to. I, I don't buy in to all the conspiracies that some believers are, are pushing, being anti-vaccination, anti-mask, anti-these other things. We have people in our church family that are vaccinated, and we have people that are not. We have close friends that are and that are not. Somebody said, well, what, what, what do you recommend? I recommend you hear from God Amen. and that you be led. Amen. You know, do, do you take the boat trip or do you not take the boat trip? <laughs> you need to hear from the Lord. Is that right? For you. And your situation. And you do not need to ignore. See, and, and if the Lord gives you something. You must not say. Well yeah but I'm, I'm going to just do this in faith. It's not going to work. Faith has to be built on something. It, faith, ha, faith is on the solid foundation. Of thus saith the Lord. You got to hear from him. And so don't. Uh, don't judge anybody else. And certainly don't mock anybody else. And That's foolish. That, that's ignorant. You want to be a support, not a hindrance. Right? And if somebody didn't have it in their heart to, to do or not do a certain thing, don't you try to talk them into one way or another. They need to hear from the Lord. You're not the Holy Spirit. I said, you're not the Holy Spirit. Everybody's body is different. Everybody's system is different. Everybody's life circle is different. Everybody's faith is at a different level. Is, is that right? Amen. So how do you know what's right for somebody else? Doesn't it come back to that? Comparing themselves among themselves and measuring themselves by themselves are not wise. That's being foolish. That's being foolish. We want to be follow the Lord for ourselves, and we want to be a support and an encouragement with somebody else. You know, living by faith doesn't mean you never have to live by faith. <laughs> Does that? Do you know what I mean? What does that mean? <laughs> well, what does the phrase mean? Fight. The good fight. <laughs> of faith. See, see, people think living by faith means you never have anything to deal with. And that means living by faith means you never have to live by faith. No, living by faith means you're not moved into a point of doubt and unbelief. You won't quit. 
You won't turn loose of what God gave you. And having done all to stand, you stand. And you keep leaving. And even though you have symptoms and even though you have issues, even though you have attacks, you say with Paul, none of these things move me. I'm going to trust God at all times. At all times. At all times. I'm going to trust the Lord. Woo-hoo. Stand on your feet, everybody. Stand on your feet. Oh, somebody say, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Back in the uh, early 80s, Phyllis and I were just learning some things about faith. And a man, a dear man, from the church where I grew up at. He's a deacon in that church. After I'd been in the ministry for a year or so, I saw him. Man loved God with all his heart. Just a pillar in the church there. Little local church. And he had developed heart issues. And um, his doctors recommend that he have a, a, a really extensive surgery. And um, he told me personally, he said, Keith, I, I got a check about having that surgery. I said, well, I said, I said, don't override your heart. I didn't know much to tell him back then as much as I would know now, but I, I knew that much. I said, well, don't override your heart. Did you know Romans 14 says, whatever's not of faith is sin. Well, sin also means to miss it, to miss the mark. Whatever's not of faith is missing it. And so he said, you know, I, I'm, I just don't, I don't feel good about having it. And so I, I don't think I'm going to have it. I said, well, the Lord can take care of you. So his kids, though, they're grown. They didn't like that. And so they just prevailed upon him. That he's going to have this surgery. He has to. And so he did. And he died. On the table. Now he loves the Lord. He went to be with the Lord. So it's ultimate victory. Can you see that? And to depart and be with the Lord. Is is better than being here. But. In my mind. He missed it. He told me. He had a real check about having that. Well, not too many, a month or so ago, a good friend of ours had some heart issues. And we, he talked, we talked about that. And he felt like he should do it. And we, we had no check about it either. And he did it and soared through it. He's doing wonderfully. So is it wrong to have a heart procedure? No. Uh-uh. Is it wrong to have some other kind of procedure necessarily? No. Wrong to have a vaccination. No. But you can't speak for everybody. If you have a check about it, you shouldn't override your heart. And if somebody has a good witness about it, you shouldn't try to talk them out of it. Come on, can you see this? Because according to our faith, that's how we walk and that's how we receive. Hallelujah. And the big thing is to walk in faith 
continually. Come on, Phyllis. I just was remembering, you'll remember this. We were in New York for a service. Is this on? Maybe hold it up a little closer. We were in New York for a service one night, and the Lord gave me something which was really odd to me, and I just did the one thing, I think, that night, and Keith was speaking, and he said, there's two people here that's supposed to, that's thinking about having surgery. You'll probably remember it when I, I get do. into it. I do. And um, I think two ladies came up. Uh-huh. And uh, he said, um, you're thinking about not having surgery, and you're thinking about having surgery, if I remember it correctly. Okay. And um, you should not have the surgery, and you should have the surgery, as it turned out. It was five, the one that didn't want it. Should have had, had it, <laughs> and the one that wanted it shouldn't, shouldn't have had it. it. But that was the spirit of God. The spirit of God. Them. We didn't know these people at all. Well, as it turned out, after the service, the pastor told us the situation on both of them. He knew it. He knew the situation. We didn't know, we didn't know it. And um, the one that should have the surgery was dying of cancer, and she had the surgery, lived, and worked for them. I think years after that. Yeah. They... Do you remember the, the scenario? Not, not, I've got them mixed up now. So. And the other one was not supposed to have a knee surgery or something, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, but the, the deal, what we're trying to get across is you cannot be led for somebody else. You cannot hear from the Lord for somebody else. And you don't know someone else's situation. The Lord is the only one that knows a situation in someone's life. And he's the only one that can tell a person what they should or shouldn't do in their life. And to be honest with you, this person that Keith was talking about that just recently uh, passed away at 52, he looked to be in perfect health. You know, you don't know what's going on in your own body a lot of times. He, so he was, He's a doctor. He was a doctor. <laughs> yeah. He was a doctor. Yeah. And if the Lord deals with you to do something, you should not That's, hesitate. That's all you said. need do what he is said. to do what he says do. Don't and try if, to figure it out. Just, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. And if he says don't do something, then that's yeah, all then you need. That's all you need to is know. don't do don't it. Don't do it. Don't yeah. question it. Don't do it. And that's the way it was with these ladies. One lived to tell the story, and the other one didn't yeah. have the surgery and found out some other things that would work for her that she was fine. Yeah. So that's all I wanted to yeah, say. Yeah, and the previous verses of that, you know, whatever's not of faith is sin, it says, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. What it says, don't try to push your faith off on somebody else. Because you believe that's what you should do. Now everybody should do that. No, you don't know them. You're measuring them yourself by and comparing. No, no. Why did the Lord give us the Holy Spirit? All of us have the Holy Spirit. We need Him. Can you say amen? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.